Welcome to Conversations and Connections with HBA Canada, the podcast that gives you access to industry leaders and offers valuable insights for career growth. We will be bringing you monthly episodes that include interviews with influential leaders and HBA members from healthcare and the life sciences, where they will offer career insights and key lessons they've learned. We will also be bringing you discussions highlighting essential career topics like networking, mentorship, finance, and more. Our podcast gives HPA members a chance to learn and grow together in their careers and their personal lives. Be part of the conversation as we aim to achieve our goal of getting more women into leadership roles. So don't delay and join us. Hello, HBA members. Welcome back. We are excited to be bringing you another educational and important episode on financial insights. Our financial episode was one of our most popular, and we have partnered again with Nicola Wealth to bring you even more valuable financial insights. Nicola Wealth provides comprehensive advice to affluent families, foundations, and institutions across Canada. You'll find their website in our show notes. Today, we have two of their financial team members, Jasmine and Grace, here to chat about the importance of financial freedom and highlight some financial hot topics. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on our podcast. And in case listeners missed the first episode, let's take a few minutes to get to know our guests. Grace, why don't you go first? Thank you so much, Christina. It's really great to be back. My name is Grace. I'm a wealth advisor at Nicole Wealth, and I've been in the financial industry for over 15 years. So I've seen quite a few changes through the markets. I started off actually as an auditor at a lending company. And then I started as well after that at a brokerage firm, a bit more fast paced before going into more holistic planning, which is where I am right now. Excellent. And Jasmine, what about you? Thank you, Christina, and thank you for bringing us back on the show. My name is Jasmine. I also work at Nicola Wealth. I'm a senior wealth planning associate. I have been in the wealth management industry for about 13 years, and I love financial planning. That is really my big focus, always has been for the clients. And yeah, I just absolutely love solving problems through making some plans and giving financial advice. Financial planning is... A hot topic. So thank you both for coming back onto the podcast. So listeners make sure to grab your pen and paper and get ready to take some great notes and hear some great insights so that we can all work our way to financial freedom, which speaking of let's start again and talk about the biggest question we should be asking is what does financial freedom mean? I'm happy to kick it off. So financial freedom. So for me, it means having more choices. So having more choices on the table, having your finances in order and having some savings behind you, it just gives you more choices. Women, we're going through a time where it does feel like we're losing freedom or having less choices or having less control. Women are exiting jobs in masses. This great resignation is mostly led by women and they either choose to quit their jobs or were forced to be care. They're forced to be caregivers. And it's just really, for me, it's important to take, take a look at making a plan and having evaluating your decision as you, I would hate for anyone to wake up one day with less freedom and, and fewer choices. And I was just listening Beyonce. She just released a new single and she's singing 
I just quit my job. They work me so hard. But through her song, she's really putting this girl boss aside that she spent a decade singing about. And really where things are going is in this direction of culture of anti-work. So I just think it's more important than ever to evaluate your decisions and have a good plan in place. Absolutely. That's really good, Jasmine, for sure. And I think coming to having those options is also feeling secured about your financial situation today and also in the future. I think there's a lot of negative news and I just feel that everything is just, people are living in a very fearful state right now, worried about what's going on in the markets and the economy. I think being able to have financial freedom is knowing that you have control over your finances, you're feeling secured essentially, and that you're making wise decisions. So how do I plan for a future? How do you make sure that you're always have those options? Like you said, financial stress, I think is something that we all deal with. So let's talk about why the prioritization of finance is so important and how it leads to the alleviation of that stress by doing the things and understanding the order of importance of bills and savings and things like that. Yeah, maybe I'll kick it off here. Financial stress, I think it's when I think about the word stress, it usually is either a lot of unknowns are in your surroundings and you're trying to figure out, okay, can I make this work? Or what can I do with what I currently have? One of the, I think we've read this on the news too. One of the items that's actually been just a hot ticket item is actually luxury items. So during the pandemic, people were spending a lot on luxury items because they weren't spending on things such as travel, for example. Because I think as people, we maybe enjoy the finer things in life and we want to buy nice things. So what happens after that is almost like buyer's remorse. (laughs) So you go buy, (laughs) you shop and you do all these things and it causes that type of feeling after. So I think the key piece there is for me is to live within your means and being disciplined with your lifestyle expenses. I think we talked about this before in the first podcast where we just differentiate between what's non-discretionary and what's discretionary. And I'm not saying that, hey, don't be buying luxury items. I think you have to live your life too and enjoy it because you've worked hard and everybody deserves a little treat once in a while. But I think every little thing helps. So whether it's making coffee at home versus buying it every day when you're out or buying things at bulk, I'm all about the sale. So if there's anything on sale, I'm all about that. So buy things at a discount and a sale. And we'll talk about that too in terms of investing. And yeah, be disciplined with your credit cards or your loans and also plan ahead if you're planning to buy a big ticket item. Yeah, absolutely. Grace, I love what you said, what you said, which is making sure that you're mindful of your spending. People regret purchases all the time because most likely you might be buying a purchase to impress somebody else and you aren't truly spending on the things that are really bringing you joy. And as a result, you're robbing yourself of these goals that are truly important to you. And then you're going to have this feeling that you should be further ahead. And that feeling of, oh, I should be further ahead is stressful. And so I think to take that control and to feel like you're further ahead, there's a couple of simple, simple things like automate the money that you're saving, automate the fixed bills that you have. And the reason why you automate your savings is to make sure that you're going to have money and investments that are going to take care of you in the future. And they're going to target those really important goals. 
like the important goals that are really going to bring you joy in life. And then with your bills, when you automate them, you'll make sure you haven't, you haven't missed a bill and it isn't going to hurt your credit score. And so, yeah, take advantage of some of these tools that will ensure that you're not as you feel more secure and more empowered and less stressed. Speaking of tools, what sort of tools and how do you live within your means by creating a realistic budget or are there tools that help you live within your means? I would say the step there, there are lots of tools, Christina, I think you have to tailor it. So some people are very particular and they like a lot of detail and there's ones they're not going to find that helpful spending all that time and they might do it for short term and then give up on it. So I would say tailoring it to, to, to you and who you are as a person and how much time you want to spend on something like budgeting, which you can go down a rabbit hole and it's not very helpful. I think if you haven't gone through an exercise of budgeting or you just need a little bit extra help here is just to sit down, regular pen and paper will do, and you write down your fixed expenses. I find that a lot of people are not aware of the, of all of the bills that they have to pay on a regular basis, like just having them on one piece of paper is, is quite powerful. I would say mm-hmm. then when these are the expenses that keep the lights on, that I absolutely <laughs> will come out of my bank account. Then you get a sense of, okay, this is what's left over. And out of that pile that's left over is where something like food and groceries and that kind of stuff will come out of. And then it'll just give you a better sense. So if you find that you're spending twice as much on food, which you probably are because Inflation has gone up quite a bit and the top, one of the top items is food that's gone up in in prices. Mm. So we're seeing this huge increase in prices for food. And really that means it's going to, you're going to have to spend somewhere else in another category. So when you, and we spend on so many different things a month, so it's hard to compare one month to another when it comes to these, what I call variable expenses, or maybe you'll have a birthday one year or a vacation one or one month and then a vacation, not as months are not as comparable, but if you just give yourself like a range, this is where, you know, anything outside of my fixed expenses will come out of, you can just be more mindful and in control. Okay. Food costs have gone up. I'm going to have to spend less on clothing or et cetera. I love that mindful and control. And I think it segues nicely to talking around tips to be less fearful and have more empowerment. We always talk about empowerment. Now understanding that, how can we use all this to be, to feel more empowered when it comes to knowing what to do financially? Yeah. I think just following what Jasmine was saying, I think we talk about creating smart goals all the time. I think that's, mm-hmm. that's always what we're taught. And I think smart goals are actually the best way to go without feeling too much pressure. And Jasmine talked about splitting it between fixed and fixed expenses and a bit more variable expenses. And I think when we get too granular, we'll start to stress ourselves out. We'll say, oh my gosh, I'm like X dollars now over this particular area. But when we do it, maybe on a more higher level, it lessens the pressure a little bit to know that, hey, you know what, I've got this bucket and this bucket. So if there's extra from one bucket, it goes to the other bucket. And if I'm short on one bucket, I'll take from one other bucket. I think, yeah, because you know, you don't want to be overwhelmed when it comes to budgeting, mm-hmm. then it doesn't become fun for you. Yeah. <laughs> the whole point is to hopefully have you be less stressed and achieving the financial freedom. But for me, I think having other women in your circle, whether it's friends or family, especially when you want to buy a big ticket item, for example, or 
you know, just going over your budget, if you're comfortable with doing that with them, it's always good to have an accountability sister. And they'll yes. talk you through sometimes maybe they'll give you, they'll definitely give you words of wisdom. <laughs> and yeah, I think empowerment just comes from making good informed decisions and being in control and knowing that it comes from you and yeah, talk it out with somebody else and be disciplined and mindful and then sticking to the plan. Grace, absolutely. I love what you said with the buckets. So I know what gives me peace of mind every single month is that I prioritize savings over all other bills. So mm-hmm. I will first fund all my buckets that are meant for really important goals. Like it's you know, my kid's education, yeah. retirement. Before that, it was buying a house and the down payment. And I'm very mindful of filling those buckets first before, before any other spending that I'm going to do for the, going to do for the rest of the month. And then that makes me very empowered and makes me feel like, okay, I'm doing the right, doing the right things. And it could be a really small amount. It could be anything to start. And then you say, okay, I didn't feel that I'm going to increase how much I direct towards that bucket and then celebrate that. I think I was reading somewhere that millennials and actually most people are really bad at celebrating these wins. If you've automated your savings and you're saving, or you've reached some goal, celebrate that with the person that's keeping you accountable. Like Grace, you're saying, have someone to keep you accountable and then celebrate that, you're, that you reach your goal or that you moved into the right direction when it comes to your finances. Yeah. I love that. I think it, it's all about finding a purpose. And now when you're saving, you're not just saving for the sake of saving there's it's so purposeful and it's something that's important to you whether it's again your children's education or buying a home or even going on a big vacation so I think it it brings joy to what you're doing there because you know in the end it's going to be something that you would like and achieve so love it absolutely I just bought a couple Etsy because I love the Excel sheets when we put in all our money and track things there. And then it does the, like, you've reached this goal and yes. changes the cells <laughs> and you feel so accomplished. Yes. That was great. So listeners are, that sounds Etsy. amazing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then this is, it leads to the next question. Cause I'm always looking at my spreadsheets going, and now how do I break down my savings? So I think that is really important because you mentioned the key RRSPs, the RESP savings for, like you said, a trip or a down payment, talk us through how to save money and where to put it. And it, should we be prioritizing one over the other? Grace, I'm happy to chat about this. Gosh, I'm Grace, I know you'll add to this as well. We have these conversations mm. all the time. And it's that's one of the beauties of having a financial advisor or even an accountant, someone that can give you some advice around which account to save into and what are the benefits of these accounts that have these favorable tax treatments. As you're saving, and when you especially when you start off saving, the accounts that you want to maximize first here in Canada, it's P's if you're saving for your children's education or even your grandchildren's education or nieces and nephews, for example, but also P and T Sage. These are great tools for us to lower our tax bills and to save in a more favorable way. But P, people, we are in necessarily educated around the tax treatment of these. So it can get confusing. And what I what happens a lot statistically actually is the people delay. They delay their savings or do they delay investing until they make a decision or someone helps them with which account to direct their savings into. And it's really hard to put a sort of like a 
ball figure number that will cover like a blanket audience because it, it is specific mm-hmm. to each person. But it's RSPs generally, if you're making over $200,000 a year are absolute no brainer. And TFSAs are an excellent tool for everybody. And there is just such a great savings vehicle and RESPs as well. So I would say don't delay Uh, The easiest way to just get started and get someone to help you choose is get a financial planner, right? Get a financial planner accountant that you trust, or just if anything, don't delay and just start contributing a small amount into them because you don't want to over-contribute. And then in the interim, while you're looking for someone to give you a little bit more tax guidance. And then when you pick these buckets, you know, what I say, these tax, taxable tax treatment on these buckets, then you want to make sure you invest the money that's within them. For example, the TFSA accounts, if you just walk into a bank, a lot of them will just be a savings account. You might not even have the ability to invest within them. You really want to open and invest a TFSA account, which gives you the ability to invest in stocks and bonds and ETFs and mutual funds, et cetera. And then someone can help you around what's the best. If you're not sophisticated, if you can't make those decisions on your own, I do encourage you to do some due diligence on a financial planner. Yeah. And I think just going off of what Jasmine was saying, it's tough to provide advice as to RSP or TFSAs, but because every client situation is different, but if you're looking for a place to start and you're like, Hey, I really don't know where to get started. I would say a tax-free savings account would probably be the best bet just mm-hmm. because once you put money in, if you decide, Hey, you know what, I'm actually going to be going on a big trip or you suddenly have an expense you're able to take money out from your tax-free savings account and there's no tax there. Versus say, if you took it out from an RSP, there's, it, it gets taken to you as income. So there's a bit more flexibility, I'd say, with a tax-free savings account. And now that we've talked about savings and that's in everything that goes with that, I love this idea. The next question, there's the words in bold start looking at me, cash flow. I always <laughs> laugh when I see cash flow. So talk to you sort of us about what cash flow really means through this, I think it's spending and saving, but I'll let you guys take it over and educate us. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll kick it off. Cash flow to me comes in different ways. It's just essentially, it can be in the form of you know, when we talk about investing, for example, we talk about cash flow and how we're being paid for investing in certain things. So that's one side of cash flow. But from the personal side of things, I'd say cash flow is almost like when you're looking at an income statement, for example, where it's money coming in and money going out. And I know we've talked before about spending versus saving, and they seem to almost be in a competitive situation. Do I spend or do I save? Mm. In my opinion, it's not really a zero-sum game. So we want to achieve a win-win, essentially. And saving is part of your spending because what it is that should be the mindset is that Robert Kiyosaki said this you have to also pay yourself first and that's Mm -hmm. sometimes what we forget to do as women we're always caring for everybody else and taking care of everyone else and sometimes we forget to take care of ourselves so in Mm -hmm. terms of our to achieve financial freedom I think it's very important to take care of ourselves and that is part of saving. It is, it's part of your overall budget. And if it's possible to try to make that hopefully part of the one bucket, hopefully it's the a bit more non-discretionary because you want, like I said, make sure you take care of yourself first. And even mm-hmm. if it's a small amount, you can always start small. And we talked about 
the power of compounding over time, even just a small amount will, will make a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. We were talking about this earlier, like $10 a day, mm. you're saving $10 a day for 40 years, in, investing it in a broad, diversified equities will make you a millionaire in 40 years. So that compound interest, is it's, it's really important to take advantage of it. One of the biggest risks right now, I would say, because we're in such high inflation is people aren't, people aren't investing their savings properly. They're leaving it in cash. And that inflation is really eating it away. Cash flow, yes, there's that spending and saving and then how you're going to invest the money that you're saving. But Grace, you touched on it. And I just want to put a little more light on it is when that savings is invested over time, and then one day you're going to find that pile of savings and investments is producing cash flow for you. And then you are going to depend on that cash flow one day, just like you might depend on your, you know, employer income at this point or your self-employment income. We want to shift your cash flow from getting a salary, from having to show up somewhere and earn income to having your, your savings that you've properly invested, then generate this cash flow in different forms. When you're well diversified, you'll get cash flow from what they call interest, from dividends, from capital gains. And that can get a little technical, but really just understanding that throughout your lifetime, you want to shift from depending on one type of cash flow, which is you had to show up during it, to another type of cash flow, which is what your savings and your investments produce for you. That's so true because sometimes we may just be thinking about the short term or near future, but there's such a long-term time horizon for most people. So it's good to look at it from that angle as well. And I think to add to that as well is everybody is different with how they feel about spending and saving. Some people don't like having any debt. So they'll try to pay down as much of their debt as possible, even though sometimes maybe, you know, they're borrowing at a very low rate, but they're earning more in their investments. So it might not be the most prudent decision to pay down as much debt as possible. So I think everybody has a very unique situation. And this comes back to, you know, finding either a financial advisor or an accountant to just talk things through about what would be best. And also, I think there's a fine balance there just with anything in life. You don't want to excessively save to the point that you're not enjoying life and you're maybe feeling cash strapped in order to save, but you also don't want to live, I guess, what the youngins call a day to call today, like a YOLO <laughs> lifestyle. And then you find yourself in the future kind of, oh man, I got to think about retirement now. Um, so there's a bit of a balance there. You hit on a few things, the short versus the long-term. There's that fear of the market. We don't know what's happening with inflation. Things right now are crazy. How do you alleviate that fear of investing money, knowing that you might not see those returns, but you have to say to yourself, it's the long-term. So how to talk to us about how to manage that kind of a fear of investing when the market is a little bit more volatile? It's really hard because when markets are crazy, and they're in the red and the news sounds scary and people are losing money with their investments or they're not losing money, but their investments are dropping and they're seeing it, it triggers fear. But when you get really educated about it, that it is going to pass, like all of the things, things will be bad and then things will be good. What we don't know is how long it's going to be bad for. I think the best way to combat or to 
deal with a market like this, if you're saving, to do it monthly. Because when you're doing something over a long period of time and you are getting into the market and you're investing, you're going to get into it in times where the market has dropped and then the times the market is up and it'll all average out over a long period of time. This is my way of offering a little bit of going to be okay. It'll, it will all average it's out, but really investments in general make slightly above inflation. It's really just worrying about inflation at this point and the purchasing power and how much you can save. This kind of goes nicely to, I don't know about you guys where you are on the West coast, but here the house, like the housing market is crazy. We've been hearing that the Bank of Canada might be increasing their interest rate because of the inflation that we've talked about. So let's quickly talk on mortgages, variable fixed, and what all that means. Yeah. The, the key thing to talk about, maybe inflation, it's such a hot topic because there's two types of inflation. One is it's transitory, which means it's only going to be here temporarily. Then things are going to go back to what the targets were for inflation. I think the Bank of Canada targets about 2 or 3%. Or... Is it what is it going to be entrenched? What that means is that it's self-fulfilling and it's going to feed on itself because consumers are and businesses are expecting that it's going to stay high, it's going to remain high. And that's what the Bank of Canada wants to avoid. Because historically, once you have high inflation and it becomes entrenched, it's really hard to bring it back down without hurting the economy. And how that ties in with variable or fixed mortgages, it really depends as well on one's credit rating and their credit worthiness, as the bank would, say, would call it. Because right now, for example, what I've seen say prime is at 3.7%. And I've seen banks offering prime minus 1%. And we are seeing fixed rates at 4 or 5%. So mm-hmm. essentially, if prime is at 3.7% and, and the bank is lending at 1% minus prime, you might still be better off in a variable rate, even if the government increases the interest rate by another 50 basis points. Yeah, so it's really tough to to say, hey, should you go with fixed or variable? It really depends as well on cash flow. Some people don't like having the variability of a variable mortgage because when interest rates go up, then your interest payments or mortgage payments are going to go up and then it maybe throws off your budget or your cash flow. Some people just like having fixed payments. They know what's coming out of room. So there's a few things to, to consider there as well. And as well, if you're, if you have penalties on your mortgages, that's something to consider because it might not make sense for you to break your current mortgage to get a new mortgage just because say the rate is lower. So there has to be a calculation there. And I think definitely talk to a mortgage broker. They will be able to help more with those granular details. I agree, Grace. And I love what you said that you touched on the likelihood of, you know, breaking your mortgage. Actually, majority of borrowers borrowers do in fact break or refinance early. Really high numbers within the first 36 months of getting a mortgage. So when people, when you're looking to shop for a mortgage, let's say you're looking today for a mortgage, you're comparing fixed versus variable. A lot of people choose fixed based on fear, like the fear the interest rates are going to go up. But look at the immediate cost savings when you compare it to not just in the current interest rate difference, like Grace was saying, 2.7% variable versus 4.7 fixed, that's an immediate 2% that you would be paying less today if you chose variable than fixed. And that could be a fairly substantial amount. But then also compare the cost of 
okay, there's a really good chance that I'm going to have to break this mortgage. And is mortgage broker talking to me about the likelihood of that? And what is my goal with this real estate and this property? And just talking through these additional costs that could be associated one day. And variable rate mortgages are just much more flexible and significantly less penalties if you are to break or get out of them. I think a really good strategy that I love around, and I love variable rates, by the way, I should say that, but it's, it is particular to each individual. The one really good strategy is let's say you chose variable rates today. Um, you can ask your mortgage broker, okay, if I went into fixed, this 2% difference, like how, what's the, what would be the monthly, what would be the monthly cost difference if I chose variable over fixed? And let's say they said, okay, it's $500 a month. You can go with the variable and then save that $500 a month in case when interest rates go up, you, you have this buffer. But we know that interest rates could go up, we could be going to recession, then go down. So over a five-year term, you could still, you can still be better off. So talking through all of those is important to do. So now that we've looked at the interest rates and and how they're affecting mortgages, let's talk about the inflation and how that might affect the cost of borrowing and the interest rates for that as well. Yeah, absolutely. When that happens, the variable rate mortgages are directly affected. So every single time there's a bump in rates, Anything that has a variable rate component, like variable rate mortgages or your home equity line of credit or your you know, regular line of credit, the interest rates would automatically be bumped up. And then you can ex- expect the price of borrowing and the cost of borrowing to go up. And because it's going up, cash flow and making sure, okay, how much can I spend if I take a loan on a car? Like how much can I afford? How much can I afford if I take any loan, including a mortgage or really any loan out there being really, really understanding how does that look if rates go up another 2%? What can I handle? What can I not? Just getting really clear on it. And I think when talking, going back about the topic of cash flow, if you do have a variable mortgage or a line of credit that you're accessing, for example, I think it's always good to just have those, you know, I don't want to call it bad case scenario, but just the different options of, okay, what would happen if interest rates were to go up by this? Can I still handle that? It's almost like doing a stress or test, essentially, Mm -hmm. but just making sure. And that's just part of creating the overall plan, which again, your advisor will help you with as well. And just to make sure that you're you're still in control and you're still prepared for what's to come. And then if interest rates start to come back down again in the future, then that you were, you're ready for it and what you could have handled. And so I think that also limits the, the stress level because you're knowing without having to know exactly the amount, but you know how much you can essentially manage in terms of your cash flow. So it was always good to have those options. The what mm-hmm. is. Yeah. And a backup plan or where are you going to spend less? Because there's yeah. only so mm-hmm. much income, we should all be asking for raises first and foremost. But again, we need to be mindful of, okay, everything costs more. Where Mm. am I spending less? Absolutely. So I think we've talked about savings, cash flow, inflation, diversification of investments. And is there anything else you wanted to add in that we might've missed or that you wanted to highlight in any of those topics? I think I just want to highlight a couple of key things just to simplify. I know we talked a lot about different topics, but I think getting good habits, whether it's with your spending, your savings, and the way you invest is a key piece at this point in time, especially when markets are being 
volatile and there's a lot of unknowns going on in the world. And just to you know, stay calm. I know sometimes in the news, things may not always be positive, but there's actually a lot of positive things still happening in the, around the world that maybe might not be highlighted. It's important to just keep in mind that there's still a lot of good things going on and life does go on. You just need to stay disciplined and plan. Writing good advice, down. Grace. Yeah. Plan. I will add one of the, especially as us women, we're not very good at taking on risk without doing a really deep dive and, and getting very educated about something, which is great. But in in the field of, for example, when it comes to investing, however, where we get set back is we delay the education around it. And then we delay investing in investing in the markets. And that really hurts us over a long period of time. And so I do encourage all the listeners out there to to have a really good discussion about where is your money invested if it's sitting in cash I do encourage you to not have a sitting cash and have either someone help you with it or get educated on your own and when they ask you like how much risk are you willing to take risk is a scary word but currently in this environment having your savings sit in cash is also incredibly risky so do educate yourself do get some help and do diversify your investments and don't be afraid of taking some educated and smart risk and when you say diversify do you want to just elaborate a little bit we talked a lot about investing bonds mutual rsps rs so just given a last highlight on what that means yeah, absolutely. Gosh, we throw that word diversify around. It's more of a industry term than anything. But what it means for me is that you are investing in several different types of buckets. So cash is only, if you're just invested in cash, for example, or some, something that's like a high interest savings account, that's not very diversified because you should be in other buckets, like for example, bonds and stocks and equities. And really further into when we really truly mean diversification, then we mean different markets. Like you're investing in Canada, you're investing in US, you're investing internationally, and really you're using ETFs and mutual funds to get that type of diversification. If you look inside those pools, they hold hundreds of different in investments. So really just having this broad exposure to to different, and we call them asset classes, which again, doesn't really give too much clarity, but different kinds of investments because they work differently together. So at Nicola Wealth, where you know, Grace and I are, we have, for example, mortgages and private equity and private debt and stocks and different types of bonds. So maybe they're foreign or they're domestic. So just when you look at, a, a, if I was to pie chart you would just have many different colors of different types of things that we, we invest in. We invest in just really spreading your investment over different different kinds. It's okay, so almost like having a rainbow, yes. different colors. <laughs> have a rainbow. <laughs> different what we call these asset classes, but essentially because they don't behave the same way when one goes up, the other goes down. So it almost balances out the entire investments portfolio, essentially. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Really to keep it simple, if you have bought, if maybe you bought some real estate, that's one type of asset you decided to invest in. And then maybe you have some investments in RSP that have some kind of mutual fund or some kind of, then you further, it further diversifies your money. So it's not in just one type of investment. If you had all your money in real estate, for example, and real estate was to correct, for example, you have all your eggs in one basket. 
Um, and a lot of these investments, these asset classes do different things. When one goes up, the other one's going down. And they add this beautiful level of when, as, when you add them all up, it just smooths out your returns. It's just less scary of a place. Okay. So before we go, is there any sort of other nuggets of advice you want to give our listeners? Oh, I had one, one that kind of comes up a lot is I'm always surprised. We want to have as much information on hand as possible to make good decisions, but I'm always surprised by how many people don't have my CRA account set up, for example. It's just beneficial to have all this information in your fingertips. It'll give you your RSP and TFSA contribution room, for example, which is really important to have information about your tax return. You can view your home buyer's plan repayment amounts, balances, tax slips, Canada child benefit, like the upcoming payments. You can update your direct deposit details, like all these different things. I just think it's something that is important to have. I'll just give you this extra access on to information that you're going to need as you plan. Thank you again with your great financial insights and to Nicola Wealth for your sponsorship and partnership with the Healthcare Business Women's Association in Canada. For any financial question listeners that you might have, again, all of the information and the contact information for Jasmine and Grace will be in our show notes. And if you keep in touch with everything, the HB Canada LinkedIn profile is your greatest resource as HBA members to keep on top of events, podcasts, and everything that's happening month to month. I want to give a big thanks to our HBA community for listening today. I'm your podcast host and HBA regional leader, Christina Bellier. Make sure to connect with me and HBA Canada on LinkedIn and Twitter. And if you have a topic in mind or would like to join us in the podcast, let us know. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast and please drop us a rate or review. Until next time, let's push boundaries and rise together. 